Chapter Four of A Little Servant. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Little Servant by Grace Livingston Hill. Chapter Four. It was October. The clear, sharp weather had strewn the lawn and carriage drive with crimson and gold from the boughs of the soft maple trees, which were scattered so plentiful all about the house. Little Esther, in her long white wool cloak and soft white cap, the gold curls blowing in the breeze, looked like a fair leaf herself, and she stooped to pick the crimson beauties from the gravel. She was gathering a bouquet for Grandma. How was it that the great iron gates that guarded the carriage drive had been left open that morning? Had Patrick forgotten to close them the night before? Or was it that some children had been passing that way and stopped to stand on the iron opener for the fun of seeing the gates slowly swing open, moved by their weight? No one knows. Only the two frantic horses, who fancied they were pursued by the pieces of broken carriage which were attached to them and which kept hitting their flying heels, saw in that opening a refuge from their enemy and dashed in. Up the broad drive among the trees, nearer and nearer they came. More maddened by each step, and there was little Esther stooping down in that gravel driveway with her back to them, and no one by to watch. Robert Knight, away at the upper end of the garden, heard their rushing feet, looked up, saw them coming, and saw his little queen just before them. He shouted and ran and made frantic efforts to turn the attention of the furious horses. But he was a long way off, and they were close upon his little friend. No one else saw or heard until it was too late. After that, nobody seemed to care what other mischief the horses did. Someone caught them, they never knew who, for the servants were all busy rushing here and there after doctors and water and this and that. The doctor came and worked hard and fast for a little time, and by and by the blue eyes opened and looked wonderingly on the group that stood round her. Jesus has sent for me. I must go pretty soon. Where is my knight? Grandma, won't you ask him to come here? I want to tell him something. They made way for him, and he went to her bedside. She may live a day or two, and it may be but a few hours, said the doctor to the broken hearted grandfather. There are internal injuries. No, she is not in pain, will probably not suffer much. And so they gathered around their darling for the few short hours that were left to them. The poor grandmother and grandfather and Robert Knight for Esther wanted her knight with her all the time, and the two old people were ready to grant any request she might make. I found out what to tell you to do, Mr. Knight, she said with eager voice and shining eyes. I think an angel whispered it to me just now. I couldn't think of anything beautiful enough to send you to do, but now I know, and it will please Jesus. You must find some people that don't know all about Jesus, and don't know how good he is, and don't love him, and you must go and tell them all about him. Will you go, Mr. Knight? His voice was too choked to answer, but he bowed his head. The poor grandmother sat close by, sobbing. Oh, Grandma, said the little girl, please don't cry. I'm going to my mamma and Jesus. You said my mamma wanted me so. Only she left me some work to do for Jesus, but now my knight is going to do it for me, and so Jesus has sent for me. Please don't cry, Grandma dear. You will come so soon, and then we'll all be in heaven with Jesus. Now Grandma and Grandpa were getting old, 
and had been through many sorrows which had at first seemed impossible to bear, but they had found that the Lord had helped them to bear them, and although this was their last little lamb, and dearer to them than life, and to lose her seemed to them harder than anything that had ever come to them before, yet they remembered that heaven for them was very near, and that the separation could not be for long. So they put their sorrow by, and tried to wear bright faces, and make the little ones' last hours on earth happy ones. They wanted her to feel glad that she was going to heaven. Grandpa, she said, will you help my knight to do my work for me? It was a long, hard afternoon for the three watchers, to feel their darling slip from them, minute by minute, and not be able to help her. And yet it was a wonderful afternoon. Not one of them would have been willing to lose a moment of it. The little girl was so happy that she was going home to Jesus. She would talk of heaven, and wonder what it would be like. "'Do you think my mamma will come to meet me?' she asked once. But most of her thoughts were full of her night and the work he was to do. She charged him many times that he must tell the people how Jesus loved them, and be sure that they all found him. Then her grandma made her very happy by promising that all the money which should have been hers should go to help along the work, and so she planned her pretty angel plans until the sun went down behind the cedar hedge and threw a glory over the room. She had just laid her little head on Robert Knight's dark, bowed head and said, "'When I get to heaven, I'll go straight to Jesus and tell him all about my dear knight and how he is going to do my work for me, and I'll ask him to help you, and when you get it all done and are ready to come up here too, I'll be at the gate waiting for you, and Grim and Grandpa will be there too, and my mamma and Papa and your mamma and Papa and Jesus, and we will all be so glad, and the angels will sing.' And the golden head sunk back upon the pillows. But just as the last glow of sunset lit up the room, she raised her head, her face almost gleeful in its brightness, her eyes looking up, her voice very clear. I see my Jesus and my mamma. They have come for me. Good-bye. The bright head sank back upon the pillow, and the soft lids closed over the blue eyes. Grandma and Grandpa had no more need to hide their tears, for their darling was beyond the smiling and the weeping. Robert Knight went out from that room with the feeling that he had watched the gate of heaven open and shut again, taking away the dearest thing in life from him. But greater than the deep sorrow which he felt was the solemnity which filled him. He had spent an afternoon in a room where God surely was, waiting to take away one of his own, and he had seen little Esther's face when she had said, I see my Jesus, and he had felt that she really did. Never again could he be tempted to say there was no God. He knew there was. He had felt his presence. Life was full of a great responsibility that had never been there before. He had been called to a mission, to finish some work for one of Christ's little ones. How was he to do it? He did not know. But it was a precious privilege, and he meant to do it. He would begin by telling of Jesus' love to all who came in his way. He walked out of the front door, and down that awful gravel road, where only a few short hours before, the life and brightness of the house had been, so glad and well. And now she was gone. It was a dreadful thought, but with it also came the remembrance that she was with Jesus, and how glad she had been to go. He shuddered as he crossed the spot where the horses had done their fearful work, and stepped into the grass, 
just under the maple-tree where Madame Bird had first introduced them. Deep down in the velvety grass, close by the tree-trunk, cold and still, its little feet stretched stiffly up to the branches overhead, its bright black eyes glazed over, lay little Madame Bird, dead. Poor little bird! He picked her up with the sad feeling of how Esther would grieve, and instantly came the remembrance that she was where she would never grieve again. As he carried the little bird tenderly out to the garden to bury it in the flower-bed she had so loved, he remembered the poem she had learned only a little while before, and recited to him, all about a little sparrow, and how the Heavenly Father knew when one fell to the ground. The blinding tears came thick as he worked, but he knew now that the Heavenly Father cared for him, too. In the course of the next day he was sent for by Mr. Carleton. He went in, supposing that he was wanted to go on some special errand. But the old man called him into the library and made him sit down. The tears were streaming down his cheeks. His voice was husky and broken. He walked the floor nervously, back and forth, his hands behind him, his head bent over. Presently he broke out. Knight, we would like to have you take up your education just where you left off. Wife and I have been talking it over, and we think it would please the little girl. We would like to have you think over it. It would be the best thing you could do, if you mean to carry out the commission she gave you. It would please her. The old man broke down then, but by and by they talked it over more. Robert told him how gratefully he would accept the kind offer, and how much he longed to carry out the wishes of little Esther. So it came that only a few days after they had laid the little girl to rest beside her young mother in the cemetery, Robert Knight began to prepare for college. He was growing too old to enter college, and it was hard to go back to study after so long a vacation. But he worked with a will, remembering his commission and Esther's words, "'I'll ask him to help you.' Two people were passing the Carleton home one day, and one said to the other, that little Esther Carleton is dead. Doesn't it seem a pity that she didn't die when her mother did? Then the old people wouldn't have missed her so. It is sad that they are very lonely. I wonder why such little things are allowed to live at all, if they are not to grow up. Her life was only long enough to have those miss her who have had all the care and trouble of her bringing up. But what did those two know about it? Her short, bright life was not spent in vain, and when in heaven— they see her crown, they will understand. Away out in the western part of our country, where the people are very poor, and live in log houses, where they have hard work to keep soul and body together out of their scanty farms, stands a little church, neat, pretty, and comfortable. The sun shines on the white spire, and it reflects a welcome to all the country round, while the bell in the steeple calls many to the house of God. There Robert Knight preaches and teaches, and little Esther's money is helping to bring people to Jesus. Up in heaven, among the angels, I doubt not she is watching. And so this little servant's work goes on. End of chapter 4 And end of A Little Servant by Grace Livingston Hill Read by Esther